Welcome to Raise Them Free with me, Saz Thomas. This podcast is for parents as we navigate the journey of raising our children free. I join professionals, leaders in parenting and parents to bring you the wisdom and the insight that I see around me. I bring you some solo episodes alongside my husband, Dave Thomas, and we give you some real life stories into our adventure of getting rid of our personal failures and flaws whilst raising four children to live their lives fully free. Our goal is to equip you with personal reflection and parenting skills so you too can raise them free. Today I'm with Claire Hillwood and Claire is a really good friend of mine but also a mum of four children and Claire talks us through why joy and fear can't coexist in our kids. Why is it so important to make memories that are full of humour and laughter? We talk through the secure base, we talk through regulating emotions and why playing floors lava is really essential as a parent. And so join us, make some notes, get your heart ready because this is one rich podcast. <laughs> oh, we've all got podcast Hello. voices. <laughs> Guys, I've got Claire Harewood with me. Woo-hoo. I'm going to keep that in there because <laughs> the world needs to know that you're a lot of fun. So we are on part five, episode five of Making Memories. And it's been so much fun. We've had some amazing things. Claire listened up to Josh Snowsells last week and it was <laughs> just so practical. I, I can't remember that Weathering Heights, Watership Down, some Both bunnies, combination. rabbits and crying. Josh, it was fantastic. Um, all credit, Josh reads amazing stories to his children. But I thought it was time that uh, I interviewed a mum legend friend of mine who has walked me through so many mum moments. So Claire, before we go into the big questions about making memories, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, I'm Claire, I'm married to Jez, and I've got four children. I've got four children from toddlers up to teenagers. I work for a national charity, and I lead a church here in the UK, and I'm passionate particularly about vulnerable children, Mm. and fostering and adoption as part of our story and part of my background. Okay, Claire, this question has been fascinating the past couple of weeks. What are your favourite childhood memories? So I was remembering my dad used to do competitions with us when we went on holiday on the beach. So we would do like long jump competitions, which was completely unfair because we were all different ages and the oldest of four. But he'd somehow make out that we were all winners without with everyone, all of us feeling like we'd won anyway. I don't know how he did it. It's very, very, really great. But I think some of the things that I really remember are the things that made me laugh. So Mm. the funny memories that we've got that we still 20, 30 years later will laugh at the memory of so my dad once was lawn mowering down a massive <laughs> bank and he let go of the lawn mower and it went to, but the noises that he made we still we still like 30 years later like recount that memory to um, one another and being one of four I remember there was lots and lots of noise there was lots and lots of kind of buzz around the house lots of playing my mum would occasionally take herself off to the greenhouse. I'm just going to the greenhouse because she's quite quiet and reserved while there was all <laughs> kinds of uh, noise and stuff um, around. I feel really privileged to have grown up in a big family, um, parents who I think consciously took time to make memories. Mm. But again, like everyone's been saying, it's not about the big, fancy, no. huge things. It's about the, the things that became tradition, that every Friday we would have chips, that we would sit down on a Saturday evening and we would have certain programmes that we would all watch together. Those are the things that became part of the sort of fabric of our childhood and the sort of the foundations mm. of 
who I am today, I oh, guess. I love it. What about, okay, what about parenting then? Your favourite parenting memory? How old's your oldest? She is coming up to 14 oh, years wow. old. And my youngest is coming up to three. My favourite parenting memory. I think meeting all of them for the very first time. Mm. Because their stories are quite different and how they mm. came to be a part of our family. Three out of the four of them came through adoption. And meeting them for the first mm -hmm. time for each of them was a moment that I will never forget. Yeah. Because you're you're ready practically to an extent. Your heart mm -hmm. is kind you thinks it's ready. And then there's that moment where for some of them, it's like you open the, the, the front door is opened mm. and you see them. You've oh. seen pictures, you've, you've watched little videos and then you open the door and, and there they are. And or you're handed this baby after mm. um, laboring and you're like, oh, my goodness, I thought I was ready, but I'm not. I think for me, those moments are sort of etched yeah. uh, in my heart. But again, for me, it's the memories that I look back on with my family and I just I laugh about because they were moments were moments in a day there were moments that um yeah just kind of sometimes that kind of came out of nowhere but they would they just made us laugh and that laughter I think one of the things for me as I was reflecting ahead of today this laughter is this thing which kind of unites and bonds and connects us mm -hmm. in a way that's like really powerful yeah it does Josh said it last week didn't he is that like I was like why is making memories so important he said because we're just closer it's yeah. like, and I think it goes with all relationship. It goes with your partner. Yep. It goes with your parents. It goes with your children. That if you've got this like common experience yep. that you remember. I always remember we used to go for bike rides. I live in Hereford. I grew up in Hereford, but we used to go for bike rides along the river. Yes. We didn't grow up with loads of money. We literally had, you yeah. know, you had a bike that's either too small or too big yeah. that was probably belonged to one of your siblings yes. at some point. Bike into town. We'd buy, yes. my dad would buy the cheapest ice cream that the ice cream van sold. Oh, so good. And that I think there are still chalk ices in the bottom of my mum's chest freezer. Oh my God. <laughs> From 35 years. Ice. I don't think my children know what a chalk ice well, is. Well, if they went to my parents' house, I'm sure they would. We would get to puddings and she'd be like, I'm sure there's a chalk ice in the freezer. <laughs> but do you, can you remember the feeling as a kid of getting a chalk ice that wasn't broken? Oh, if you got a chalk ice that wasn't dream. broken, you basically had like, you'd won in life. I love or it. Or if you got the little toy out of the cereal bowl you'd oh want in life. Man, they don't do those anymore do no, they choking hazard we used to have this tradition with vianetta where <gasps> what a classic oh, dessert yes. that is i'm sorry if you were born in the last 20 years you have no idea what i'm talking about but you you would we would slice it and then it would be the only dessert that we would pass all the way around the table to the person like wow. pass to the left until it got all the way and i've no idea why <laughs> but we didn't know when the vianetta was coming and if you were the last person that got served the vianetta you got to lick the tray and that so so I mean, brilliant if known it was coming we would absolutely have positioned ourselves to sit next to you didn't on sit the in the same place every time for dinner um we did after a while yeah. and there are certain Creatures moments now habit. i'm a parent where i feel like i need to text my parents and be like i'm so sorry about <laughs> every time i argued about where i was going to sit in the car i'm so sorry oh my gosh the front seat i argued about where i sat at the table because these things i remember i remember and i remember it used to be so important i don't want to sit in the back row yeah um and i try and remember that with great sympathy now where my kids are like i don't want to sit there yeah we definitely we definitely apologize and thank our parents yes. once your parents yeah, you i'm do. so sorry i was like that Oh sure. my God. And as we're in adolescence, I feel those texts are increasing <laughs> ever more. I'm so sorry for my entire 13th year, Mum. 
<laughs> but I was moody for that whole year. <laughs> if you only did a year, you did really well, Claire, because I definitely hit some kind of like five year, okay. you know. Yeah, well, the 13th year is the one I'm living through at the moment. So oh, perhaps okay, that's yeah. the one that I'm most aware of. Oh, gosh. <laughs> anyway, back to making memories. Okay, why, Claire, you've got a variety of stories in your children, as have I. And making memories, you suddenly realise that it has a different impact on children who have different stories. And so we're going to have parents that are listening in that, you know, have various ways that their beautiful kids became a part of the family or are staying with their family or staying with them for a time. Um, Why is making memories so important? I think that what we don't realise about memories is it's not just, oh, it's a nice thing to have. They are Mm. actually forming part of the foundations of the building blocks of our brain, the Mm. way that our brain develops. And even from when we're in the womb, our our brain development is being formed by the Mm. memories or the things that are happening around. And that can be positive or negative. That's why some of us, when when we're pregnant, we play Mozart in the hope that they'll come out a genius. I mean, maybe. I played my kid dubstep. I didn't, that's a joke. (laughs) I definitely played them notes. I definitely got the Einstein genius DVD. But I think they form part of the... We know through people that know about the way the brain develops that mm. that it these are foundational things for how the, the brain develops the architecture of the brain is formed by memories positive and negative and actually when those memories are negative whether they're conscious or not so if a child Im- is um, in the womb and is around domestic violence or is hearing lots of angry voices or is surrounded by an unhealthy atmosphere you know that the cortisol levels are increased with, within the mother and that affects the developing baby and that affects the way they're born and their brain is kind of wired right from the outset and these building blocks are so much more than just oh that's kind of a nice memory the building blocks are the very thing from which we make relationships with others they're the thing that helps us to learn how to to regulate our emotions it's the thing that helps us in terms of how we see the world and perceive it and translate it and so when we're talking about making memories for children who may have had a difficult or traumatic start in life actually what we're talking about is sometimes repairing or replacing parts of a you know if you think about these foundations as like bricks in a wall sometimes we're talking about replacing entire bricks that may have been lost altogether there are children for whom you know they get to five six nine ten and they may never have been away for a night they may never have seen the sea they may have never been away from a home environment in a context that's positive and think about some of those things that we share about the moments that there are the stories of standing and watching the sunset at the beach mm-hmm. and how it connects you and and how it sort of bonds you together as a parent and a child as an adult and a, and a child when you don't have those things, there are like glaring gaps in the way that your brain mm. develops. And therefore, when you get the chance to make memories, you might be replacing foundations that simply mm. weren't there or reinforcing really great ones, really enforcing some of those foundations. We're not just talking about, oh, it's nice to remember those things around the dinner table, though it is and it's amazing. It's actually in these moments, I want to teach you that you can trust. In these moments, I want to show you how it is to feel calm and at peace. In these Mm. moments, I want to help you to feel so close and secure to me or dad or to whoever that you know how it feels to have emotions that are regulated and, you know, you're feeling just right. And so for me, making memories is is so much more, for all of us, I think it's important. It's so Mm. much more than simply something to sort of look back on. It's like hardwiring 
the brain yeah. to prepare them for building relationships. Yeah. So, so many children and young adults and adults struggle in building relationships with other people mm. because the foundations were missing, because they weren't modelled it. And some of those things are obvious, right? But some of those things are made up of the memories, the learning to ride a bike, mm. the this is how my mum reacted. I mean, I t t joked about texting my mum about, I'm so sorry I argued about the car. I remember my mum never raised her voice to me. I wow. remember that she never got cross. And therefore, that's helped me in how I manage mm. myself. <laughs> I haven't quite achieved my mum's quite status yet. We have different <laughs> characters. But I do remember the impact that it had because I knew even if we're fighting about who gets the middle seat, yep. my mum's not going to lose her mind she's going to remain calm and mm. tell us where to sit anyway. Um, oh, and so I think beautiful. those memories become so much more and so much more important to us because it, it shows us and demonstrates how to respond in a situation. Um, yeah, it's amazing. It's an amazing thing, the brain, and how mm. it develops. And how we were built for relationship, how everything that we are is grows and develops healthily through relationships mm -hmm. with our parents that's how we were designed i yep. just think it's amazing all these discoveries that are being made about how the brain works it all points to the fact that we were wired for relationship and strength comes from that and health comes from that and healing comes from that mm, i love it i love what you said claire as well about um things start before babies are born because i know for some people who adopt if they have the child from day one or have the child from yeah. birth so many people will say oh but it's okay you had them from birth and it's like Oh gosh, if only you knew yeah. what that child maybe had been through in the eight months, seven months, nine months that they were in their birth mum's yes. tummy before, you know, you have a child then that's born that has a huge fear of loud noises. Well, you try going to a bonfire night, you try mowing the lawn, you try, yeah. you know, it's really simple things that yeah. would be a normal part of life, turning the woods, like turning the Nutribullet on. It's like yeah. those things all of a sudden become massive. And so this whole idea, you know, for, for pregnant parents out there, what you create and that season of incubation is so beautiful and it's so powerful. And you see, you can see it, you know, in how we stroke our tummies and we, yes. you know, we rest more or we might change our food. So it's a, it's a really beautiful thing. Uh, okay, so four children, <laughs> four yep. different stories. Yes. You have, you know, so many stories within your home how do you intentionally like make memories and i i guess i kind of ask it on two questions one one way in how do you do it with four of them <laughs> how do you do it as a family collectively but how do you also make time you know for them as individuals because you've got you know i know i've got four very different children you've got four very different mm -hmm. children but you also have four children with different journeys yeah and i'm gonna keep coming back to it and when you get to know me you'll know that laughing <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's a big part of, of who I am I have a, a laugh which is not very refined um it's but beautiful. laughter thank you so much um I love it I embrace it um I think that laughter is such an important thing because it unifies and it brings them yeah. together now it's really easy to make a toddler laugh you just blow a raspberry on them somewhere or pull a silly face and they're laughing it's really easy to capture that with a toddler as we get older particularly as we hit adolescence it can be harder you know mm. I can't blow a raspberry on my 14 year old <laughs> well I mean I could um, but it's less likely to make her laugh yeah. more likely to make her eye roll at me but I think there are there are certain things that make us laugh together so mm. turning on 
turning on music loudly and dancing around, pretending it's with the little ones. Yeah. Oh, come on, would you dance? Come, would you dance with your disco. little brother? Yeah, absolutely. Um, because then you're laughing at one another. Um, with our older ones, teaching dad TikToks honestly is oh, one fantastic. of the best things. Because Dave can't wait for this. I mean, I love my husband, but dancing is not his forte, really. Has it ever any of these TikToks ever been released? No, oh, I don't think they have. Um, Will they? <laughs> Well, maybe if there's demand for it. There's no, demand. It, I demand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my days. But the girls get to bring them into one of my daughters especially loves that sort of creativity that you can mm. get um, with that stuff. There's all kinds of other stuff that comes with it, but the real sort of creativity and fun element of that. And so she loves to teach, but loves to laugh at the efforts. It's mm. something that brings us together. A lot of being outside, so many people yeah. have talked about it, being outside is it's a amazing. real leveller. I find it amazing, though, that you've got four very different families who live in completely different cities at completely different stages in life. And all of us have cited that being outside, and I don't think that's just a COVID thing. No, no, it's, <laughs> it's like we've all... <laughs> daily walks. Um, <laughs> I think it's like genuinely... Like real life, good for yeah. us. My mum used to say, right, we all need to go outside and blow away the cobwebs. Blow away the cobwebs? I know that I would roll Dave my says, eyes. has a good blowout. He's like, let's go have a good blowout. I'm like, isn't that, that American for a really good haircut? What's that bit in Frozen um, where they go into the like... <laughs> I don't know what it is. I can't quote it. But frozen it one like, or frozen two? Um, frozen one, where they go into the little hut, half prize. Oh with yes, that guy with the big moustache. Oh, I do an impression, I but I can't even. No, think. I can't remember either. Woohoo! Big summer blowout. But um, <laughs> no, I think there's something about being outside because it does. Fresh air does something really good to you mm. physiologically. It does something to your soul, I think. But also. You, at any age, you can run through the woods. You can try and like yeah. climb up a tree. Yeah. You can. Um, I, t I love trying to cross over like streams or jump over things with my teenagers. And you know, falling in is actually part of the fun of it. One of my memories of my dad growing up is that he fell into a pond <laughs> and he ate water, and he just slid in and he sat there and went, oh, 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 and he just couldn't move. And I, I, it's still, as you can hear, makes oh, me laugh. Yeah. But it's those sorts of things that all ages yeah. can enjoy. And when you've got older ones actually getting them involved in helping the younger ones and they feel like they're doing mm -hmm. it to help out but actually they're then they're participating in it so I honestly think that laughing and finding the things that make them laugh the try not to laugh series on YouTube put that on try not to laugh yeah series. it's it's oh. just lots of silly like Making vines notes. remember vines from back in the day oh, gosh. like 10 second clips of people falling off bikes and <laughs> riding into wall just very unfortunate mm. things happen to humans but they're so funny Try not and to there's laugh. something okay. yeah there's something really unifying in our house cats versus cucumbers <laughs> on, on youtube <laughs> apparently For the cat lovers out there i'm really sorry so i know sorry. this oh, is yeah, a, that's true. a so really sorry. bad thing <laughs> um, i'll edit out you laughing claire I won't leave it in here. No, sorry. Um, but just collective finding humor. some similar... Yeah, collective <laughs> humour, I think, is really... Um, I think it's really um, important that we that we do that. And one of the things that fascinates me, again, about how the brain works is that it is impossible to laugh and be afraid at the same time. Yeah. So if your child is feeling anxious or they're dysregulated emotionally mm -hmm. or, you know, there's stuff going on, actually... Can I just pause? What do you mean by dysregulated emotionally? I mean when your emotions are not sort of as they should be so regulated emotions I'm feeling okay or 
I'm feeling anxious, but I know that I'm feeling anxious. And I've got a a kind of brain, my brain is functioning to get some problem solving things that means I can get out of the situation that I'm feeling anxious or I've got a way through it. That feeling of just right. Mm -hmm. Dysregulated is when maybe you might see a child and they've fl- flipped their lid they have mm. people cruelly talk about you know they're, they're having an absolute tantrum they're you know they've lost mm. their mind they've lost and and actually it's sometimes with some children who particularly have got a trauma background mm. they're feeling incredibly frightened what you're seeing is a child screaming and thrashing maybe or shouting or kicking mm. but actually what you're seeing is a child that is so frightened and don't know how yeah. to they don't know how to get themselves out of that situation um but when a when a child is um when a child is like that if you can get to them before they get to the stage where they've completely lost their mind and make them laugh actually you can stop some of that fear in its tracks in our home with one of my children if i see them beginning to get anxious or fret or het up Okay, the floor is lava in five, four, three. And yes, suddenly we're in the game of floor is lava and they're jumped on a chair and they're hanging off this and mm. ev- everything except for mum is lava. You know, all of that stuff suddenly Brilliant. becomes the focus. And then what happens then is that you can be hyper aroused. They're sort of mm. on a, they're reacting as though their life is in danger. They're reacting as though they're under they threat can. when it might just be that somebody's moved their cereal bowl. But because of the wiring in the brain, mm. that foundation stuff that I like spoke about earlier is is not there actually they're perceiving it as as a really significant threat to them when you're then able to help them get to a regulated state and calm and connected to you again then you can if it's important mm-hmm. talk to them about hey it was just the cereal bowl that we moved over to the other side of the table because your brother was getting it or whatever and so i think laughter as well is a real tool for us in helping stop things in their tracks interrupt things for for your children whatever Mm. their story is for my two-year-old we do this sort of instinctively lots of the time Mm. if a two-year-old you're sensing that they're not you know they're not going to get their own way and that's not going to go well for them if you can distract them then you know that you've it's the same principle but just outworked in a slightly more age-appropriate way and I love what you said there and it's really important to pick up it doesn't mean that whenever your child is sad or angry you make light of it and you joke. So this isn't joking at your child's anger. This isn't, you know, laughing when they're having a tantrum. This is about getting down on the level, connecting with them emotionally, bringing them into your bubble, leading them to another emotion. And then something you said, it was only kind of one sentence is, a little bit later you say, I can tell that you were sad about the cereal bowl. Do you know what? This is why we moved it and it's okay. For other stories as well, there are, oh, my dad just told me to lighten up or don't be silly or you're so moody or gosh, I wish you'd just stop talking. Those throwaway sentences when you are finding your child's emotions hard, they make memories. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. But they make really damaging memories. Whereas using joy in moments of tension and leading your child and communicating with your kid through that something that we have with one of ours is uh, you know most school uniforms are like a like a polo neck and then like a high neck jumper or a cardigan one of mine finds it absolutely hilarious when I have to put their collar straight but my kids aren't like super shiny presentable so I'm not bothered about the collar being on inside or outside but you know just putting their collar straight and every day we have a three or four minute giggle when I straighten their collar well isn't school isn't easy for every child every day but it's such a beautiful moment and I've held on to you've said to me before fear and joy can't coexist 
And I hold on to that little moment where I'm like, I want to do his collar. Like, I want to fix the collar because yeah. I want to be the one that comes in and just has that yeah. giggle. And then we turn it into a tickle and a fight. And then we go yeah. put our shoes on. And it's like, it yeah. just takes the tension of the mornings and it just brings we know yes. there's going to be a moment we giggle together yes, and it's so powerful and the playful approach doesn't diminish the size of the emotion it doesn't diminish the reality of it it's certainly not laughing at yeah, what's happening i love mm. that what you, what you said but and it's not in the moment where the, you know if they have completely lost control because of whatever is going on that is not the time to try and make Mm -hmm. them laugh actually what they need to feel in that moment is they need to feel safe they need to feel Mm -hmm. close um, and that will be different for every every child but if you can see it I think as parents we let when we learn to tune in to our kids we watch them I know with mine I can watch them on the decline Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can watch where we're descending you anticipate it with a toddler don't you oh well we're just about to leave the shop and we're going to have to leave that toy behind and I know that this is and so you put other strategies in place don't you to distract or hey can we get kit why don't we go it's my my youngest why don't we go over here and find this Mm. let's put but I think we need to do that as they get older. I think we're too quick to go, oh, well, they should have grown out of that by now. I think particularly where children have had challenging mm-hmm. stories or backgrounds, we need to help scaffold them, help be the scaffolding around them that allows them to feel those those things. We do an awful lot of wondering aloud in our house. Yeah, and so I hope that one of the memories my kids have and I hope and I expect that they will probably go, oh, mum used to say all the time, I, I wonder, wonder if, if you're feeling... Um, because we say, I wonder if you're cross about this because I wonder if it's that. And I hope that that's something that they remember because it gives them the language to express some of what's going what's going on. It's beautiful. I think in those emotional moments, we have the opportunity to make all kinds of memories in our kids. And I think so many of these podcasts have focused on the like let's be intentional, let's be joyful, let's go outside, let's be spontaneous. But I think also there's, let's intentionally make memories for our children about how we handle them in emotion. And let's make memories in them about forging in their minds new ways of processing emotion. Yeah, Yeah, there are so many things that I'm like, please know children that when you were sad, this is what I I didn't push you away, I pulled you in. It's it's making those memories is as powerful as. And then when you see it outworked, you recognize that the some of the memories have formed that imprint of how to work one of my children snapped quite significantly at another one just a few days ago and the other one uh, a few moments later went up to them and said can I have a private word please Um, took them to one side and said I think you need to apologize because you shouted at me and said shut up and we don't say shut up in this family and I watched this I mean let's be honest that is one time that that has happened. Yeah. It does not happen all the time. But that's because of the memory of over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. That's how we have tried to handle things like that. Yeah. So they have learned. I mean, it was a little bit sanctimonious, a little bit uh, better than. But yeah. but actually, the it's essence true. of it was, yeah. you did something wrong, and I think you need to apologise. And sh- they were right. Mm. Um, and so I think that's where making memories actually forms. I love what Josh said, it, that some of the adventuring becomes part of our character and it becomes mm. mould. But actually some of the memories of our home and the the way that our home feels and how we were responded to and how we were emotionally led is really important. I joke about my mum never... Well, I don't joke about it. My mum never raised her voice. Mm. She has a very different character to me. But I genuinely grew up believing she had no emotions. Mm. And then I looked at my dad and his emotions 
fantastically emotional guy but there were times I was like I'm not like him and I don't I was sort of mm. frightened of that display of emotions mm. and so I was like well I must be like my mum then because I'm a woman I'm a girl and mm. and so I tried to become because I didn't have the sort of security and the safety to explore what I was feeling and mm. and didn't have that sort of help navigating some of that stuff when I was little and I want my kids to have the memories of Mum tried her best. Dad tried their best to help us with what we were feeling. And if that's mm. an eye roller wandering aloud, then I'll take it. Yeah, exactly. I'd rather that than anything <laughs> else. But also, that's the whole heart of Raise Them Free is actually as parents, we have to go on that journey of thinking about how we were raised. Absolutely. We have to consider yep. what do I want to take and what do I want to leave? Yep. And that isn't a discredit to our parents. Not at all. It's because we're all human. And I want my children, when they leave my home, to say, what am I going to take? And what am I going to leave? Yeah, and absolutely. I want them to know that I'm really sorry about what you're going to leave. But we did our best and we tried our hardest and we did it together. <laughs> um, We're going down together. Do you know what? You can go to Claire Wood and be pastored by her because... <laughs> I'll send mine to you. We'll do like a swap. Deal. Um. Deal. Oh, gosh. We've got great... The thing, the beautiful thing as well is we get to raise our kids in a community of church. And that's so important. And, oh, I remember is. the other adults... Who aunties loved uncles. me? Yeah. Who I could go to, and my mum and dad knew that I was going to them. And there were times when I would go, "My parents are driving me crazy. They won't let me do this." And I'm so delighted as I see my girls going on well in the last year on walks um, <laughs> with other people of that I trust, that I yeah. love, and I know will listen to the. My mum is an absolute nightmare. She won't let me go to the park or whatever it is that yeah. in that moment is causing them great frustration. And they go, oh, yeah, it's so hard, isn't it? And we'll love them and mm-hmm. care and hear them, but also I know will remind them who I am yeah. and remind them who they are and point them you know, in the, in, in the right direction. Um, and I'm so grateful that I had that. And that's one of the things I'm absolutely determined that all of my kids will have that. And the church community that we're a part of is just an amazing place. It's beautiful. And if yeah. you don't have a church community, you c- you will have aunties, hopefully yes. uncles. Yes. But also if you don't, Networks. Find, find Freedom Church if you're near one physically, because we would love to serve you. Um, but also it is about finding those communities. All of us will have some kind of community. It'll be school mums. It'll be yes. parents groups. It'll be, you know, some people have great communities in their gyms or in their workplaces you go, you have to find those communities to make yeah, to make yeah. memories with thank you for listening to part one please join us next week for part two of claire harewood's podcast <laughs>